I felt that what I was standing on had given way, that I had no foundation to stand on, that that which I lived by no longer existed, and that I had nothing to live by. Leo Tolstoy June 20th, 2010, 5.15 a.m. In my kayak, a few miles from shore, paddling hard. Lake Michigan, smooth and ice cold, my kayak cutting through a thick, silky curtain of water off the bow. Still in boxers and t-shirt, hadn't thought about dressing for the chilly morning air. Wasn't really thinking. I'd been woken by a dream, climbed out of bed, and a minute later pushed off into the lake. Not very smart. Lake Michigan owns hundreds of ships, and certainly its share of puny kayaks. Didn't really care. Maybe I'll paddle to Wisconsin, I thought. But the sun stopped my paddling as it broke over the horizon. I turned toward the east and sat still. Perfectly quiet. Suddenly a billion gold flecks of light surrounded me as the sun rose. In that moment, I felt the warmth and love of my daughter, Julia. Get over it, Dad, she was telling me. I almost tipped over. It was startling to hear her voice. She died just a few months before. The crossroad of my life was right there, two miles off the shore of Lake Michigan. The signs were clear. One arrow said, change everything. The other said, death and Julia wasn't derisively telling me to get over it. She was telling me that if I was to survive, I would need to get over myself and live for what matters most. When I came back to shore, I realized it was Father's Day. This was her gift to me, the gift that would save my life. Nineteen years earlier, Julia was born completely healthy. Then when she was about six months old, she contracted the chickenpox virus. Rather than causing a few days of fever and rash, however, this virus attacked and destroyed her heart. No one knows why, but luckily it happens to only a very small number of people. Unluckily, one of them was my daughter. Her only hope, and it was a long shot, was a new heart. Without it, she'd last only a few months. In 1990, very few children had received heart transplants, and there was almost no data on what would happen to them. Given this uncertainty, one of the biggest decisions we needed to make was whether to even put her on a transplant waiting list. The alternative was letting her die in peace. As hard as it was to think about this option, it was a very real consideration. We had no idea what would happen if she were to receive a new heart. No idea what the quality of her life would be. We were on the front edge of this wave of ice-cold water, and would be for her entire life. The discussions with family, my wife Jerry and older daughter Rachel, were hardly idle dinner table chatter. The topics were, what is a good life, and what is a life worth living? What if Julia died when she was three? How about nine? What about the quality of those years? Would we be happy with the decision we were making? We decided to list her for a transplant. In part, frankly, we couldn't bear to let her die. But we were well aware that if she did get a new heart, we'd need to work incredibly hard to keep her well, to give her a big life. We'd also need to approach life with her in a whole new way, 
in a way that assumed she might die at any moment. When we talked about a big life, we weren't referring to a make-a-wish life. Make-A-Wish is a non-profit organization that provides extraordinary experiences for very sick and dying children. It's a wonderful group with a powerful mission. But we couldn't spend every day of Julia's life in Disney World. What we were determined to do was to provide her with a life of discovery, of meaningful relationships that extended beyond her family, and of love. Julia received a new heart on Valentine's Day, 1992 and our lives were changed forever. She lived through many challenges, and her life wasn't easy by any stretch, but it was a big life. Friends, camp, softball, Girl Scouts, travel, experiences that many kids have, but that Julia never took for granted.